Hey, welcome to the Great Commission Teen. This is a podcast aimed at teenagers at Christ Community Church. Just because you're a teenager doesn't mean that you can't make a contribution to the Great Commission. But in order to do that, you need to be healthy and growing in your faith. That means you need great connections with the people of God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God. So sit back and relax, because today you're going to learn something. Well, welcome to this episode of The Great Commission Teen. My name is David Heinrichs, and I'm your host this morning. I am only uh, the only voice that you'll be hearing today. I'm by myself. Uh, and, and really, I'm just going to go over what I taught on Wednesday of worship uh, about gender identity, part of our Worldview War series, uh, tackling some issues that the world disagrees with the church about. And this is one of those issues that I think um, people outside of um, the Christian church, you know, look at very differently than we do. And so we try to tackle some of these issues. And that's what we talked about last Wednesday. This is really for all those teenagers who didn't uh, have a chance to come and you can listen to this and still kind of learn something. Uh, it's also for uh, parents who want to know what we're teaching uh, teenagers on Wednesday nights. And so for all those reasons, we're doing this podcast. This is a great issue. It's a big issue. It's complicated, but it's very important to talk about, even in a church setting. Uh, and I think the reason is because uh, recently, as you know, uh, transgender has really become a big uh, deal that a lot of people are talking about and thinking about with all the pronouns, which pronouns do you use, with um, whether it's something that you're born with or something that you develop through culture or through um, being nurtured or raised? And so, or is it something you're taught or caught in the culture? So it's really a big issue. And so what I did is I started with our foundation and I said, the first thing we're going to do is look at the Bible. And the reason is because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is 1 Corinthians 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's useful or profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, training, another word, instruction. So, so we're trying uh, to get our minds right and our behavior right, and we need the Bible to help us. And this is all sort of going in the direction of righteousness, meaning good actions, good thinking. And I would say good, meaning God's actions, God's thinking, what God wants us to think and what he wants us to do. That's what righteousness means. So what is the design of God in every area of my life? What does he want me to think and do? And then it says that the man of God may be perfect, and it doesn't mean morally perfect here. It means uh, complete, like I've got everything that I need, thoroughly furnished, another way of saying perfect, thoroughly furnished or equipped unto all good works. You see that? So, so we're trying to use scripture to help us move into good thinking and good works. And these are God-designed thinking, God-designed works. Okay, so if you don't agree with the Bible, then the truth that I'm going to say about gender identity you're not going to agree with that either. So just realize that's where I'm coming from. And I, and I did say, thank God you're not hearing David's opinion on this. Uh, you're not hearing Hannah Surratt's opinion on this. You're not hearing Paul Phillips, our senior pastor at Christ Community Church. You're not hearing his opinion on this. You're hearing God's word on this. 
And so that's kind of where we started. The next concept I said is one of the, the truths that the Bible teaches is in Romans 8, 20, where it says the creation waits in eager expectation for the revelation of the sons of God. So we've got the, the creation waiting, hoping, looking forward to, eagerly expecting something great. Why? Because the creation is not great. There are lots of problems in the creation. Moving on in Romans 8, it says, For the creation was subjected to frustration. So our creation, our world is fallen. It's frustrating and it is in frustration. And the hope is, moving on, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay. So I want to just say here that our world is fallen. And we are frustrated because we know it can be better. We can be better as people. Our culture can be better. Our, our nation politically can be better. Our science can be better. Everything can be better. And we all see these weaknesses and shortcomings all around us. But our hope is that this, this, this creation that we're a part of will be set free from its bondage to decay. So problems everywhere. I want to I make sure you see that when we talk about gender identity, this is a reality, all right? People are, are upset, not just one or two, but everyone and struggling. And then I went to 2 Corinthians 11, and I got a little bit more personal. Not only are things outside of you frustrated and broken down and falling short of what is good, uh, but also you. And I'm using Paul, the apostle here, as an example in 2 Corinthians 11, where he says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, which means proud, full of yourself, thinking I'm great, he said, I was given a thorn in my flesh to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but the Lord said no. So Paul the Apostle has this thorn. It's something he does not like. It torments him, and he wants it out of him. But God says, no, because my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So in our frustration, in our shortcomings, in our sin, God says, it's okay to be weak because my power comes into you, and then my power is seen as wonderful in your weakness, and then you aren't going to be conceited. So even, even if you have a problem that you want to be solved, a disease, or a, a, you, you have a learning disability, or you can't jump very high and run very fast, or you're ugly, or whatever, yeah, that's frustrating. That's a thorn in your flesh. And God is saying, I'm not going to take that away from you because I want my grace to come into you, my power to come into you, and for others to see my power working in your weakness and give me glory. So that's part of the Christian walk. And I did make the point that every single person in this room has a thorn in your flesh that God's not going to take away. And if you pretend that that thorn doesn't exist, you're making a fool out of everyone and yourself. So I want you just to hear that before we talk about people who suffer from gender dysphoria. They're part of a, a fallen world. They're, they're, this is the thorn in their flesh, or maybe one of the thorns in their flesh. So I don't want you to throw rocks at them or mock them or pretend like they're different than you, because in a lot of ways, we all suffer in very much the same way. So 
Um, so that was a point. Then I turned us to, okay, what does the Bible say specifically about gender? And we went to Genesis, uh, the last day of creation, and it said, let us make mankind in our image, Genesis 1, 26, in our image, in our likeness. And it says, so they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, et cetera, et cetera. And God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good to have a male and a female. Now, when a male and female uh, procreate as God's design instructs, be fruitful and fill the earth. This is verse 28. Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth. So in order to do that, the male and the female need to become one flesh. This is God's design. This is the way he created the world. Okay, so that's very important. Now, you could say this is right, this is good, uh, this is righteousness, but but what I'm trying to say with God's design is is getting to the heart of God. What is he trying to do? What is he trying to accomplish? And what he's saying is fill the earth and uh, be fruitful and, and, and increase in number. In order to do that, you have to have a male and a female, and this is how procreation works. They become one flesh. The woman gets pregnant, carries the baby to term, has the baby, raises the baby. Do that over and over and over again. That's male and female. That's his design. So when we talk about gender, that's where God is. That's his mindset. And he, he says this, fill the earth and subdue it to both men and, and women. And then he says to both the male and female, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And he says, I'll give you trees. You can eat it for food. And he says, These are, this is the cultural mandate that we see in Genesis, and that is to, to be fruitful and multiply and then rule or have dominion over nature. Those are two commands he wants us to, to do. Now, it's, it's not a coincidence that there are two parts of the cultural mandate, be fruitful and multiply and rule over nature. And there's two genders. It's not a coincidence. And I pointed back to the six days of creation. And I said the first three days are similar in that there are spaces that are separated and organized. So the light goes here and the darkness goes there on day one. The waters go above, creating the sky, and the waters go below, creating the sea, separating the sky from the sea. And then day three, waters go to the right, land goes to the left, separating land and the ocean. So we're separating these spaces in the first three days. That sounds a lot like organizing nature into its rightful place. Organizing nature into its right place, like zoning a city. So the hospital goes here, the residents, the houses go here, the businesses all go over here, and the dump goes way outside of town. So you, you zone things in a certain way, and, and that's what we do. Even in a farm, the corn goes over there, the cotton goes over there, the sheep are over there. The pigs are over there. You don't mix them all together. You separate them out and organize these, these spaces. So that feels a lot like, it sounds a lot like rule over nature, have dominion over nature, put things in their proper place, just like cleaning your room. Then the next three days are going back to these three spaces that have been cleared and organized and set up uh, and 
and each of those spaces are filled. So in the light and the darkness, we separate those two. Now God puts the sun, moon, and stars. Yeah, the sun's in the light part, and the moon and the stars are in the darkness. And then in the waters above, the sky and the waters below, birds and fish. That's day number five, corresponding back to day number two. And then day number three, remember, is the waters separated from the land. Well, what does God create on day six? Animals and people. And, and, and so they, they, we basically fill the land, we fill the waters in the sky, we fill the darkness and the light. Basically, these are being fruitful and multiplying. So the first three days are about ruling and having dominion over nature, organizing everything into the proper place. The next three days are about filling those spaces, being fruitful and multiplying. So the first three days and the second three days correspond to the two commands we find in the cultural mandate. Be fruitful and multiply and rule and have dominion. I hope that makes sense. I kind of putting that together. And what I'm saying is it's corresponding to the genders. The first three days, the ruling and having dominion over the earth is generally and primarily the man's uh, responsibility with the woman's help. So man, you're primarily you know, in charge of this, but women need to help you. So it's not just men doing it and women don't have anything to do with it. It's, it's, a, it's a team effort, but men, this is your primary role. And then women, <clears throat> be fruitful and multiply. Men do have a contribution, but generally and primarily, this is your role to be fruitful and multiply. You, you carry the baby nine months to term. You have the baby. You breastfeed the baby. You raise the baby as a child, and you're, pri- you're the primary parent when the child's really young. That's just natural. And wh- what I'm saying is uh, you're, the way that God created you, the way that God created male and female, there is a sense of roles that males and females have that are distinct. Men kind of do this, and women kind of do that, but but at the same time, they help each other. They're always helping each other. Men are helping the women be f- fruitful and multiply. Women are helping the men rule and have dominion over nature. So there's a team aspect, but, but there are some primary roles. You really do see it more clearly in Genesis 3 when they eat, uh, they disobey God, and they eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God gives them consequences. So to the snake, you are on your belly, but then he goes to the female, and he says, female, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe and painful labor. You will give, with painful labor, you will give birth to children. So there's this idea that your desire will be for your husband, that he will rule over you. See, this idea of your primary and general task is to uh, be fruitful and multiply. And so your consequence is going to relate to your primary and, and more general role as a female. Males, your consequence is different than the females. This is God's design. It's different. Why? Because you're a male. You're not a female. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles. This is as you're having dominion over nature, pain will come to you. Women, as you be fruitful and multiply, pain will come to you. Do, do you see that? That's, that's a distinction between males and females, and it comes right out of the creation of the world. God expressing male and female, he created them the one flesh, and, and just all this stuff just kind of conveys this, this general and primary role that males and females have. Now, I stopped there and said, 
look, that's kind of a general description of what God's design is for males and females. But what happens is we insert so much more, just like the Pharisees did to Moses's law, Americans, Christians, insert so much more expectations and rules about how to think and how to act for men versus women. So I basically said there's three things you got you to gotta think through. First, and this is obvious, right? Number one, obviously, this is true. You are born with a God-designed sex. Nobody disputes that. In the church, out of the church, everybody says you're born with a certain sex. The only thing Christians would add is it's God-designed. Okay, so here is your sex, you know, and this is just your physical body, your, your attributes, your genitals. These are things that you're given based on whether you're male or female. So you are born with a God-designed sex. Second is truth, a little less obvious, but still, it's still true. Your God-designed gender... And that just means uh, what men ought to do and what men ought to think, how they ought to behave. Okay, what is the men's role versus the woman's role? This is what gender means. So your God-designed gender follows your God-designed sex. In other words, the way that you act follows your physical body, like your gender follows your sex. So that's kind of the idea here. Um, That's true. But then... America's gender, this is the the third thing, America's gender roles are made up and sometimes completely disconnected to God's design for gender. Sometimes it's connected loosely, but sometimes it's really far out there and it's not part of God's design. And I gave some examples. I said, uh, okay, so which, which gender is this, male or female? And I listed all these words, trucks, football, smelly bodies, farting, belching, weightlifting, pants, hair everywhere, rough, tough, sitting big versus, you know, taking up less space, large and in charge. Okay, what is that? What what about the name Bob or George? And everyone immediately knew that was a male. That was a man. That's, that's what men kind of done. Now, stereotypes, yes, lots of exceptions, of course. But generally speaking, this is what America might say. The culture might say that men are hunters and they use trucks and they smell bad and they do weightlifting and they're strong and they've got hair all over their bodies and all this stuff. So, And we even talked about how men sit different than women in America. And, and then I put up a bunch of different words. Dresses, makeup, jewelry, high heels, pink, cheerleading, glitter, Small, cute cars, dating TV shows, lace, decorations, um, being cute, dancing, and then a couple of names, Lucy and Hannah. These are things, obviously, they said, oh, yeah, that's obviously female. And I said, look at these. How many of these words that I put up here come directly from God's design that we just studied in Genesis 1, 2, and 3? How many of these things? So I just picked something out. I said, okay, what about high heels? Where in the Bible does it say that God's design is that high heels are only for women and not men? What about jewelry or makeup or dresses? Uh, dating TV shows. I, I, I put that in there because 
more women watch uh, TV shows that are like Bachelorette or something like that. But they're very stereotypical. But 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 the point I'm trying to make is America has an idea of gender that's not in the Bible. I, I said I could literally wear lipstick and a dress, and there's nothing explicitly wrong about that. That's explicit uh, in the Bible. The, the, literally, I mean, there are cultures in the world where it is more masculine to wear paint on your face and a, a dress-like outfit. So it, it's, it's really different. Cultures can be very different. I talked about when I was in Japan, the Japanese definition of masculinity is very different than America's idea of masculinity. And so obviously some of this is arbitrary, and what I'm saying is we need to be careful as Christians. My last point, we need to be very careful as Christians not to take Americans, America's cultural idea of gender and place that in a, uh, a binding way, a morally binding way to say, men, this is how you must act because it's right and because God said it and you have to act this way. Because a lot of the issue in gender identity actually is uh, this, it's American culture. It's, it's disputes about what men and women say and do and all this, and it's all about American culture. And I said also, here, here's another thing. If you, this is the line, this is, the, this is kind of the, the summation at the end, that the line that you cross into sin, into something that is not God's design, is being created a certain sex and hearing what the Bible says about that in terms of gender roles, and then saying, I want to change those things. Not I want to change, you know, America's gender ideas. No, I want to change God's idea of gender. I don't want to be a man. I actually want to change my body into the other sex because I am saying no to being what God designed me to be. See, that's a line you've just crossed. You're looking at God and you're saying, you've created me this way, and now I don't want to be this way. So that's the distinction be, between you know right and wrong and sin and goodness uh, in terms of gender identity. If if you say to America, yeah, I don't agree with everything you're saying. I, I don't want to go hunting. I don't want to play football. I don't want to be a man the way America tells me I have to be a man. That might be okay. We can have a discussion about that. And there's a lot of wisdom, you know, discussions that you can have. Should I do this or should I do that? But it's not immediately clear that you're breaking God's law. What is immediately clear when you break God's law is if you say, I do not want to be a man anymore, according to God's design, physically and in, God, in terms of these roles we've kind of fleshed out a little bit in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. I don't want to do the man thing anymore. I, 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 actually, I don't want any genders I just want, you know, all the gender distinctions to completely go away. Well, that's not God's design. I'm a man and I want to be a woman. Nope, that's not God's design, right? So those are the things that are wrong or, or not according to God's design. But we can have all kinds of discussions about the American cultural ideal of male and female, the gender. 
So I think that's really helpful distinction. I hope the kids got a lot out of it. It was a, like I said, it's it really complicated. So it was a challenge to keep things manageable for teenagers. And I really hope I did a good job. If you have any questions, of course, please come and talk to me. I'd love to hear more about any questions you have or comments that you have. You can text me or contact me uh, through email which is on the website. And as always, if you found this particular um, episode to be helpful, you can subscribe and you can send it to a friend. But thanks for joining us to today on a, the Great Commission team. We'll see you next time.